Hello, and welcome to the Notary Business Talk, the podcast dedicated to sharing ideas, strategies, and techniques to help grow your business and improve your life. And now, with more than two decades of notary business experience, your host, Abraham Zamora, the notary entrepreneur. Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Notary Business Talk. My name is Abraham Zamora, and I am the notary entrepreneur. And in this episode, we're going to ask the question, when should a notary incorporate? Now, this is a question I get often from notaries who are wondering where they should, they should incorporate or not incorporate. You know, a lot of people who are doing this for the first time come from an employee background and are now transitioning to becoming notaries, which is more of the self-employed side. And oftentimes they're confused about this idea of should I incorporate, should I not incorporate, what are the benefits, what is is the investment cost to doing something like this, and is it even worth investing in becoming a corporation to begin with? And the question, the answer to that question is that it depends on your individual situation. Uh, situation. So to shed some light on the subject of corporations and when it makes sense for a notary to incorporate, I've invited a special guest to help me out. His name is Carlos Samaniego. He is an enrolled agent, which means beyond doing taxes, he has earned the privilege of representing taxpayers before the Internal Revenue Service. By the way, just so you know, this status, being an enrolled agent, is the highest credential the IRS awards anybody. So it's a big deal. He is also the owner of Tax Debt Consultant, a nationwide company that helps people with tax problems like back taxes, garnishments, tax levies, and unfiled tax returns. He is also the author of How to Make the IRS an Offer You Cannot Refuse. You guys like that? You guys like my mafia accent? Where he teaches people the three crucial steps they have to take to get the IRS off of their back. Carlos, welcome to the show. Thanks, Abraham. <laughs> wow, that, that, that was a hell of an introduction. So, um, And I actually do have, it's the Godfather right there, you see? Yeah, that's why no, I did I it. Got, got the Godfather right there. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate that, um, um, Abraham. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this. It's uh, It's uh, the question that you ask or your notaries are asking, you know, should I um, incorporate or not incorporate? Um, it's actually one of the most common questions um, that people have when it comes down to um, starting a business or or moving forward with their business. A lot of them just have no idea. And I'm happy people like yourselves are out there talking about this subject because there's way too many people out there that are promoting um bad ideas when it comes to corporations, getting people to incorporate faster than they should be mm-hmm. um, or don't really need to, or more importantly, and something else we'll talk about, uh, trying to incorporate in different states because they believe they're, they're, they're going to um, hide from um, taxes or um, certain state taxes. So um, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of misconceptions. And I think a lot of people think they can get certain things that maybe they can't. And like you said, a lot of bad information that's going out there. So I'm really glad you're on the show. But before we get into all that, I want to kind of tell the audience how you and I met. Uh, I remember, gosh, how long has it been now? Maybe at least 15 years, hasn't it? 
Yeah, heck, I, you know what? I'm not even sure my daughter was born, and she's 14, so it's probably been at least 15 years. That's right. Yeah, so, it has. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's a crazy how fast time goes. So. <laughs> and so we met after, uh, it was, I think it was right after 08. Uh, I, I joined Toastmasters and yeah. you were one of the, uh, like the head officers there in, in the group or no, no, it wasn't actually, I, I belonged to a group and then I did a competition. I remember that. Right. And you were one of the organizers of the competition and, and I competed, I was up on stage, uh, and uh, afterwards, you came up to me, and we started uh, having a nice conversation. And ever since then, I think we've we've been friends, haven't we? Pretty much, pretty much so. Yeah, uh, I was the founder of the Entrepreneurs Toastmasters in Redlands, um, one of the founders of, of that group. And I and I believe that group is still around. So, um, yeah, good memory. I, I, I didn't real I didn't even realize that's where we initially connected with that Toastmasters. <laughs> it's been so long. Yeah, and or I mean, maybe it's just uh, I'm getting I'm getting older and kind of forgetting stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm here, buddy, to remind you. Uh, and so we've been friends since then. We've 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 done a few business ventures together. You've been you've been my personal tax consultant for gosh, maybe what ten of those years, I think. Yeah, quite a while. And, quite a while. Uh, uh, you know, just great friendship with the family and everything. So, but hey, Carlos, just so people kind of get an idea of who you are, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ultimately became an enrolled agent, and 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 exactly yeah. exactly what an enrolled agent is really sounds good um you know what at heart i've always been an um i've been a entrepreneur um i've actually lived here i'm in my office here in the city of redlands um i've lived here in the city of redlands since 1979 um originally born in san diego made my way to Hemet uh for a couple of years from i think 76 to 79 and 79 my parents moved here to redlands and um, have been living in the area pretty much ever since. Okay. Um, in fact, the building I'm in was the very one of the very first gyms I joined at 15 years old. And considering I'm 52 years old now, that's how long <laughs> I've been in this area. So um, my career path kind of started in the military. I joined the Army. I was a medic in the Army, ended up becoming a paramedic uh, or EMT um, um, in the area. Um, um, uh, Wow, I did that for like 11 years, and um, it, it was funny. At, at, while doing that job, I was also very entrepreneurial. You know, everybody hears about those the, the, the fireman work hours. You only work 10 days a month. That was the type of schedule I had oh, when yeah. I did that type of work. So um, I could be very entrepreneurial, and I was doing, I was doing network marketing. I was doing um, – I, I got my insurance license. I got my real estate. I, I was doing all kinds of things during that time frame. Um, in fact, I even got my um, tax license back then. What I didn't do and kind of what led me to this industry that I'm in is for over eight years um, in my 20s, I did not file my own taxes. Uh, you know, uh, there's an animated movie um, that you'll be able to see later, but there's an animated movie about this. Um, I, I won a, um, a contest and a Hollywood animator created, did an animation of this story. I went eight years not filing my taxes um, and it was for dumb reason. It wasn't because I was hiding. It was just that, you know what? I was trying to make some extra money. Um, one of the older guys, I think he might've been 20, 21 told me, Hey, just claim 10 exemptions on your paycheck and you'll get a bigger paycheck. Well, he was right. I got a bigger paycheck, but the challenge was the following year. I'm, I'm used to this bigger paycheck. You know, I ended up buying a 1987 Nissan hard body truck, got myself a brand new truck, got a bigger apartment and then all of a sudden, my 
lifestyle was equaling my paycheck that I was earning, but that paycheck wasn't paying taxes either. So when it came down that came down to filing, I forgot to um, I didn't file because I couldn't afford to pay that tax bill. Well, that led to the following year. The same thing happened in the following years. Next thing you know, it's been eight years. I haven't filed and paid taxes. So and, you know, back then, computers and um, you know how, how we're such a computer technology. Everything's computerized, right? Banking's um, computerized. Uh, back then, everything wasn't computerized as much. So it took the IRS never found me those eight years. They never found me. <laughs> but the state of California eventually found me um, in my 30s. And when they eventually found me, they um, I got a letter and it basically says, hey, where's your tax return? And that's where the dominoes started to kind of drop. And for people that have been in this, that situation, they know um, nowadays you don't you you're not going to get away with that because everything's electronic. That we know when you've moved, when you uh, we know everything about you. Um, but that's how I ended up getting in this industry. I ended up not filing my own taxes. Ended up hiring a, an enrolled agent. That's what I am now mm-hmm. um, to help me um, deal with my problems. In fact. Ernie, right there, I got a picture of him. He's the guy that was a local guy that I went to him and I said, hey, I'm in trouble. I need help. And he showed me um, and walked with me and, and it led me the path of getting right with the IRS. And um, um, make a long story short, um, in my late four, in my mid-40s, I decided to make a huge career change and ended up becoming an enrolled agent to help other taxpayers with tax problems. Um, and that's what I do today. Um so that's kind of what led me to this industry. Um, and I love it. Uh, you know, I get to help people that are dealing. You know, I used to help people with medical emergencies. I now help people with financial tax emergencies um, and try to save their lives from being ruined by the, the big IRS or the state uh, of California. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> dealing with the IRS is probably one of the scariest things you can deal with. Uh, I think some people would choose like a broken arm over dealing with the IRS. So... Uh, I've heard some people would much rather die than pick up the phone and talk to them. (laughs) Uh, And some days I kind of feel that way too. So So as an enrolled agent, you're you're basically the middleman, right? You're the one that communicates and represents people. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people always ask, what is an enrolled agent? Basically, there's three types of people that can help you solve a tax problem. Um, The three people are attorneys, Mm -hmm. CPAs, and enrolled agents. Those are only three people that are doing Uh, that allow you most people know what the first two are but what an enrolled agent is um, there's there's two ways of becoming an enrolled agent either you work for the irs for five years and then you take a pretty extensive exam and then if you pass the exam the irs gives you the title of enrolled agent Um, the other option is there's um, three four-hour exams that you actually take um, um, that that's issued by the government um, on extensive taxes and tax law. And if you can pass those exams, the IRS will bestow you the, the title of enrolled agent. Now, the enrolled agent license, it's a federal license. It's actually issued, I have it in front of me, it's actually issued by the Department of Treasury, which is the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. Right. That is the license they issue you. Um, and that license is specifically for represent, representing taxpayers with um, tax issues. Um, the crazy part about this, even those three people, that, the three in the, the three different designations I mentioned that enable you to represent taxpayers, uh, I would say less than five to ten percent of any one of those specific 
individuals actually represent taxpayers with tax problems. Most of them's attorneys deal with legal stuff. Um, CPAs like to deal with accounting and auditing. And even a lot of enrolled agents only do taxes or bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. They really don't do representation. So it's kind of a niche within a niche of dealing with tax problems. Very interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's nice that there are people out there. You, I mean, you personally know you, you had the experience, you had someone help you. And now it sounds like you're, uh, you're, you're, you're paying it forward now and and helping those who, who need help. So, uh, and that's why you're here. So thank you, Carlos, for, for being part of the podcast and uh, part of this interview. So let's talk about corporations. And I think a great way of starting this conversation would be with a definition, which is what is a corporation? Uh, Let's start with, how about we start with that? Or an LLC, uh, a corporate, right? Yeah, a corporation, uh, uh, it's a very broad definition, but it's basically a legal entity that's created by a state government that enables um, individuals to um, operate a business within that entity. Um, uh, technically, um, and I'm going to use, because we're, we are in California, I'll just use California. In California, you can start um, what's called a limited liability corporation or a regular corporation, which is typically a C corporation when you start it. So those are the two types of, of, of corporate entities that e- exist. Now, it, can, it starts getting really technical after that. You know, a lot of people say, well, Carlos, you didn't say S corporation. Well, there's really no such thing as an S corporation. All an S corporation is, when you hear that term, it's a corporation that has elected to be taxed as an S corporation. So it's not that it's an S, a separate S corporation. It's a corporation that's being taxed as an S corporation. And then the, the wild card here is the limited liability. And we had a long conversation about this um, yesterday, Abraham. A limited liability corporation, um, it's a separate legal entity, but it has no tax designation. Um, you have to either the tax designation is picked based on how you're operating your business or you elect a certain corporate tax definition for it um, or election, not definition, but election. So a limited liability corporation can be taxed as a C corporation, as we kind of mentioned. It can also be taxed as a um, S corporation, or it can be taxed, um, not taxed as a corporate entity at all. And as we mentioned, if, if you didn't elect to elect a certain designation, if you're just an individual and you start a limited liability corporation, you're being taxed as a sole proprietor. So a lot of times people, I always hear this, is that, oh, I'm going to save money by becoming an LLC. Um, no, you're not. If you're a sole proprietor and you elect to be an LLC, if you um, become an LLC, you're still going to be taxed as a sole proprietor. Um, it's only if you decide to pick a separate tax, such as a C-Corp or an S-Corp, um, it's still a sole proprietor. Now, somebody says, well, me and my sister are going to open up a beauty shop or, you know, more than two people are going to open up um, a business. Well, if it's a limited liability corporation, you, you, your automatic designation is a partnership because there's more than one person. It's two or more individuals. Right. And now, unless you pick something else, you have to file um, a partnership return. So it can get really tricky when you don't know what these individuals, uh, kind of everything that's going on, and that's why it's important to talk to a um, a tax person that understands how this works. Right, because it, a, setting up a corporation seems like a legal thing, but in reality, if we really think about it, it's 
it's a much more a tax thing, right? I mean, it, there's it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's technically both. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, it's a legal and a tax thing. There's two different types of ramifications here. Right. There's the legal right. ramification and the tax ramification. Um, sometimes it may not make sense from a tax point of view to be a corporation, but from a legal corporation, it makes a, a lot of sense to do that. So you need to be looking at both. It's not one or the other, it's both. Um, so when you're talking, if you're talking to a, attorney about your business you may be also need to talk to your tax person about your business operations um so you can come up with an idea of what it should be so interesting okay that's good that's really good advice now let's talk about notaries in particular because obviously this podcast is is geared towards notaries uh talk to us about about how a notary should look at uh, starting a corporation and and what would be the benefits to have for a notary to even to even begin one if there are any? And if so, when would those benefits come Sounds into play? Good. Yeah. Now, now um, in regards to the legal, let's talk a little bit about the legal because I'm not an attorney. Right. On the legal aspect, you know, and, and you would probably even know more than this. I don't know what the legal liability exists being a notary. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably you guys have, you know, insurance and things like that. Correct. Um, so I'm not sure if there's a lot of liability involved in signing paperwork or notarizing paperwork. Um, but I would encourage you to talk to an attorney if, if, if you don't even know or talk to somebody that does know that. about. So I'm not going to talk about um, being a corporation from a legal point of view because I don't know. I really I'll, don't. I'll tell you, as a notary, we have unlimited liability. Okay. Yeah. So definitely errors and omissions and some sort of professional insurance is, is recommended. But uh, yeah, Perfect. I mean, there are, there is no limit to what we could be liable for uh, in terms of. That's uh, good to know. You know so that's good to know. So, so, you know, definitely, you know, like myself, I errors and omission. I got general business insurance. You want to have yourself protected on that, that end. Okay. Now let's talk about one of the common questions I get and, um, is, well, should I incorporate my business or be an LLC to save money on taxes? Well, the question is, is that one, let's go back to, should I be an LLC to save taxes? You're not going to save taxes being an LLC. We know that. Um, so that, let's get that part out of our head. Now, should I incorporate for tax purposes? It depends. It's the most common. I even have a pair of socks I got from a tax conference that said, <laughs> it depends. Because every question is, that it depends. Um, <laughs> okay. It kind of reminds me of... Um, those underwear for people that um, have bladder problems it depends, right? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I actually got that from a conference. I was just at the, the speaker actually had depends um, diapers with them because everything was, it depends. Hey, yes. um, but let's just go down to this. If you're not, if you're not, if you're making less than $40,000 a year net, mm. now what's net? You have your gross income, the, all the income that comes in, you have your expenses, and whatever's left over is what I is what we consider net income. Okay. If your net income is less than $35,000, let's just use $40,000. I'm using to use the $40,000. I got to pick a number. If it's less than $40,000, it may not make sense to be incorporated. And you might be for tax purposes. Why? Because one of the things of being incorporated is there's additional cost. You know, I'm gonna, let's talk about the negatives of being incorporated. Um, and, and sometimes negatives are what's the cost involved? You know, once you become incorporated, you have a extra tax return. You're going to have a corporate tax return that you have to deal with. Now, if it's a limited liability corporation, um, the tax return, um, um, it's a tax return that goes on your personal return. 
Um, but the state of California wants their own separate return. So it's still a separate limited liability corporate return. But just overall, there's additional costs for tax returns. Um, you're going to have to have bookkeeping. Now that you're a corporation, you're going to have to have your books done correctly. You can't just willy-nilly spend money and not keep track of everything. You need to keep track of everything because now we have corporate tax returns that need to get done. So we need to keep your books accurately. There might be a monthly cost or maybe even a quarterly cost. Mm -hmm. A quarterly cost. If you're not really busy, don't have a lot of expenses, you might just need somebody to look at it on a quarterly basis. Um, so there's that cost involved. And then there's also the cost of payroll. One of the biggest mistakes, almost every person that I see, I would say a good 80% of the people that start a corporation, they don't have payroll. When you are a corporate entity and you're taking money out of the business, got to have payroll. It's in the tax law. It specifically states if you're taking money out, there better be a payroll. So when you add up the cost of additional tax returns, additional payroll, additional bookkeeping, you're looking at three to $4,000 a year of additional cost for your business just to be incorporated. So that's why I say if you're not making at least $40,000, then it doesn't make sense to incorporate. Now, what happens if you are? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you something here in a second. I think I'll be able to pull this off here. I'm going to get fancy. Um, now, if you're making more than $40,000 a year, now the benefits are huge. Why? Because when you're incorporated, you're, you're re dramatically, re you're eliminating self-employment tax. Self-employment tax. Self-employment tax is one of the biggest taxes all um, sole proprietor partnerships end up paying. Mm. Um, a lot of people's like, well, what's sole proprietor? What's um, self-employment tax? Self-employment tax is basically Medicare and Social Security. And I mentioned to you yesterday, um, Abraham, is that you know when, when we have a regular job and you look at your paycheck, you have your federal, state taxes, but there's a couple of uh, usually line items below that says Social Security, Medicare, right. and you'll see a, a certain amount of money they're pulling out. Well, that, what that is, is that that's your Social Security and Medicare, and you're paying 7.5% of that money. Um, you, they're taking money out of your paycheck to pay that. What you don't realize is your employer, they're paying another 7.5%. So that's, almost, that's just over 15% that's being paid to Medicare and Social Security. Your employer's paying a portion, you're paying a portion. Now, here's the thing. When you are self-employed, you pay the entire 15.3%. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You're paying that entire 15% yourself. So one of the biggest expenses that small business owners have, um, sole proprietors, is self-employment tax. But when you incorporate as an S-corp or a C-corp, now remember, you, I'm not, we're not talking limited liability. Remember, if you're limited liability, you're still sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. but, if you, but your limited liability can elect to be taxed as a sole proprietor or, or an S corporation. So, and I'm just going to use that model. But if you were to do that at $40,000 a year, your savings alone and self-employment tax would be over $15,300 a year. Wow. Which is huge. It's huge. Um, I'm going to show you something. I think I'm going to be able to pull this up. Uh, I'm going to share this with you really quick. We're going to jump on here. Take a look at this. What I did here, you saw that $40,000 of, of net income that I just mentioned? Correct. 
Your self-employment tax that you're paying every year is going to be around $6,120. Okay. Now, the salary that you're making, um, remember I mentioned earlier, if you're making a net income, you got to pay yourself a salary. Let's assume you're paying 50% salary. That basically means you're going to save around $3,000 a year. So that means over five years, you're saving $15,300 just in self, just in um, that self-employment tax. Now watch what happens here. And this is where, oh, this is where a lot of people don't, what, don't realize here. If you're making $100,000 a year, watch what happens here. Look how much money you're paying. Look how much money you're paying in self-employment. $15,300 a year. Okay. Now, we need to make sure this, this salary is reasonable for this income. So I'm just going to use $45,000. Now, just, just to clarify that, that's the amount that you're saying from the corporation you're going to be paying yourself. And then that's the amount that we base this percentage off. That is correct. Okay. You have to pay yourself a reasonable salary. And this is one of the top the top things the IRS is going after. They're going after people who have corporations that have not been paying themselves reasonable salary. So, so I just use this as a, a, a rough estimate based on the um, based on our numbers here. But you're going to save yourself eight thousand four hundred fifteen dollars a year in self employment tax. But look at this: over five years, you're saving yourself forty two thousand dollars. That's forty two thousand dollars that's not going to the federal government. What if that forty two thousand dollars was in your retirement account instead of going to the federal government? Right. That is the power behind incorporating um, your business and saving on self-employment tax. So, so okay, got it. So, and so, the the benefit really only kicks in when a notary is making a net income. Now, now this show is nationwide, so notaries from you know, every state are listening to this. Is this yeah. California specific, Carlos, or, or this is federal specific? So this is across the board. This is across. It doesn't matter where the country. I'm, I'm showing you IRS numbers. And over here, these numbers are just rough estimates um, that I always pop in here. I use that, that as an average. Um, it could be more. It could be less depending on the state that you're in. So, Got it. Wow. Okay. So just, yeah, just to recap. So the... So anything under forty thousand, we would say that at that point you're actually there is no benefit because you're the the cost of yeah. maintaining. Well, let me give you an example. Let's just say you're making. Um, let's just say you're making thirty thousand dollars. I'll give you an example. We got to do a reasonable salary, right? So let's just go back here to reasonable salary, and let's pop in fifteen thousand. I'm just going fifty percent. Now you see here, what's your projected savings? Two thousand two hundred ninety five dollars, right? Right. But look at what your your projected costs are yearly. S corp return, payroll, bookkeeping, you're over $3,000. So the cost of having the corporation still outweighs the savings you're going to get. So it doesn't make sense. It'll completely swallow up the um, uh, any kind of savings you would get. It pretty much does. Yeah. You know what? So it's not until you get above 40 or around 40 or, or more that it really starts to Okay, now I'm starting to save some money here. Absolutely. So, and, and again, these are all estimated numbers, and this isn't tax advice for you specifically. It's just for you to kind of get a rough idea. You know, it, it's crazy because 
I put here, which I see this very common, and I know probably a lot of notaries are probably netting around 60 nowadays uh, because of all the work that's out there. Let's just go with a, oops, what did I do there? So just for you guys that are listening, we're doing this on a, on a video recording. And so he's got a, a spreadsheet on his screen here, and he's typing in all these numbers here. So he has 60000 as a net profit, which is reasonable. I think a lot of notaries nowadays are, at least the full-time ones, are actually making that for sure. Right. So you have 60000 net profit. Your, your self-employment tax, if you're a sole proprietor, is going to be around $9,180. Just self-employment tax. And remember, when you see that tax there, I'm not showing you what income, what the IRS income tax is going to be or your state income tax. Right. This is just self-employment tax. Right. right. So so your projected savings is $4,500 a year. So you're saving over $22,000 a year. A correction, $22,000 over five years. Um which is it's huge. That that's a big savings. Now now beyond taxes, Carlos. I mean, I've heard of corporations uh, giving people protection by separating their business assets from their personal assets, or you know, when they want to buy a house, they can show books uh, much more effectively than as a self-employed to qualify for loans. What do you have to say about sort of those benefits, if any? Well, you know what? Um, obviously, uh, banks like to see employees. They really don't like self-employed people. Um, um, as far as I know, I, I mean, they still do loans for them, but it, <laughs> it typically makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, they want more documentation, and that's what I mean by more difficult. They just want more documentation. So it's obviously it looks better on a credit application. You're an employee of your business. Um, so that that's obviously a benefit. Um the, the, the legal protection that you get, um, you know, one of the biggest things is that will my corporate corporation protect me from any type of liability? Not necessarily. Um, uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes, most people don't maintain their corporations correctly. They're not doing corporate compliance. They're not doing their minutes on a yearly basis uh, because the, the, those are things attorneys are looking for. They're looking to see, are you really treating your business as a business? Right. Um, and that goes to something that even if you're not incorporated, and this is something really important for all notaries to know, is that even if you're not incorporated, if you're running your business as a sole proprietor, you should have a separate bank account for your business. In fact, when we do a tax return, um, there's an additional screen that's been added to us that specifically asks questions such as, um, do they have a separate bank account for their business? Who maintains their books? How are they showing? Um, are, how are they maintaining their records? Are they keeping separate records for their income and their expenses? Are they keeping receipts? They're, the IRS is literally having us ask those questions wow. and having to answer those questions. I call it. It's almost like they're having us do the pre audit for them <laughs> by asking those questions. And there's still way too many business owners out there that are operating their business out of the personal bank account. Um, and that's just not a good thing. Don't do that. You know, if you want to be audited, do you really want to give up all your personal bank account information? And then the, the agent, I've seen them go through, what's this? What's this? What's this? It's because you got your business and your personal all intermingled. Uh, and they're looking, okay, what's this personal item you bought at Rite Aid? I mean, it's just like, just don't do that. Have a personal business account for your business. 
If that's the one thing you can take out of this call today, mm-hmm. if you're not incorporated, go open up. A, it doesn't have to be a separate business checking account because sometimes those cost more. Just a separate checking account and run your business out of that checking account. That's a huge, huge tip. Right. So, and by that, you mean have a separate account, all your paychecks and direct deposits go into that account. You pay yourself maybe a specific amount every month. You transfer that to your personal account for personal expenses. And then everything gets paid through that account. And that's what you're referring to. Um, Like even if we, let's just say a lot of these notaries aren't making net 40,000. That would be the the next best thing at this point is to open up. a. Yeah. If you just do that, you're going to one, you're going to probably get a lot more tax deductions anyway. um, Just because you have a better track. You're you're able to track it better of what you're spending on your business. Um, So um, that's just, it's just a smart business practice to be able to do that. I love it. Hey, Carlos, where could, uh, where could more uh, people find out not only more about you, but just like this, these sort of basic, simple tax sort of tips and strategies that could help them with their business. And how can they learn more about you and kind of what you got going on? Well, you know what? Uh, my, my practice is specifically niche. Now um, I primarily help people that are got themselves in tax problems. Um, as we discussed earlier, um, so whether it, whether you haven't filed a tax return or you owe the IRS a whole bunch of money, that's who I'm kind of who I spe- specifically specialize in. Uh, my bis, um Abraham's been with me way before I even got into this uh, niche, so um, that's why I work with him. But uh, if you want more information about me, um, I encourage everybody to head over to taxdebtbook.com. Taxdebtbook.com. Um, I actually have my $15 book I have on Amazon. I don't have a copy. Oh, there's a there's a there's an image of the book right here. Um, for, for those of you guys who are watching this, um, that's a $15 book on Amazon. But you can get it for free. Download it um, at taxdebtbook.com. Get that free book. You know, share it with your friends, family members who might be having some tax problems. One thing about tax problems, nobody really talks about it. It's not one. It's not the one of those things you go go to Thanksgiving dinner saying. Man, do I got some tax problems. I mean, we kind of keep quiet about that. Um, so, you know, pick up that book. Um, um, my website, taxdebtconsultant.com, is my primary website. And, um, you know, if you go to my um, – um, on either, if you go to Tax Debt Consultant, you can find me on YouTube and my podcast. Um, um, I have both, and um, a lot of times I'll share um, financial tips like this. Um, so I kind of do a whole bunch of stuff online. Absolutely. Yeah, great. And I'll and I'll have links to all all of those sites and on the show notes if you guys want to check those out and uh and if you guys have any more questions uh, or uh, like he said, you know, it's one of those things people don't talk about. What are the three things people don't talk about at the kitchen table? It's politics, religion, and tax debt problem. No, no, it's not tax debt problems. It's money, I think it is, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of people talking politics now on the kitchen table. <laughs> Making sure their family members don't come over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That'll do it, Carlos. That will do it. Hey, man, I really appreciate you being on this call and uh, giving us all your uh, experience, knowledge, and tips. And for those of you who are, were thinking or weren't sure, I hope, uh, about you know, starting a corporation or when to start one, I hope this helps clarify that and, um, uh, and clears things up for you. So, again, thank you, Carlos, for being part of the show. It's my pleasure, man, Abraham. I appreciate you and um, keep on doing what you're doing, helping out the the notary industry and finally providing some good information out there 
um, like this. It's just great information that a lot of people don't know about. So thank thanks. you. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure having you on. And for everybody else, thank you for listening to the show. I hope you guys have an amazing, productive week. And until next time, take care. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Notary Business Talk. To learn more about becoming a notary entrepreneur or to find out how Abraham can help you achieve your business goals, visit notarybusinesstalk.com.